Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is our tools. When we first started practicing many years ago, we felt that we needed every tool we could find to make or buy. Many of us are like magpies who are attracted to the shiny and new and all that wonderful looking stuff. However, over the years and through much trial and error, we have learned that we don't really need anything at all because every witch and seeker is the magic. The big question is, if we don't really need anything, why do we still have tools and other stuff when we perform ritual? The answer is that tools can enhance our practice by serving as reminders through long use what we are attempting to accomplish during ritual and when performing magic. And besides, they are aesthetically pleasing. When we perform a ritual, here are the basic tools we sometimes use. Blessing slash cleansing stuff. Something to represent each of the four physical elements and a small bottle of anointing oil. We often use a bowl of salted water, a tea-like candle, and herbal cleansing stick. Affirmé. A simple black handled knife that we use to create sacred space, although we often just use our hand instead. Candles and holders. Candles and their holders are usually placed on the altar and or around our ritual space. Their light can be focal points, and they help make it easier to read ritual in the dark. We have also been known to pull out the group's sacred ritual flashlight at important moments. Incense and charcoal discs and something fireproof with sand in it. We often burn incense as part of our rituals for devotional or magical purposes, and having a good supply of charcoal discs and something fireproof to hold them is important. Cup and plate. An unadorned cup and plate to hold our food and drink because we believe the focus should be on what we are sharing and offering as libation. Just because the number of tools we use is small and they are simple doesn't mean our rituals and magic aren't often complex and always packed with personal meaning. On the path, we get to pick and choose what tools we have and use and how to set up and or decorate an altar and ritual setting. We do try to decorate our altar in ways that matches the focus of our workings. Hey, Dave. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing? I got curb-to-curb service today from a lawyer. I didn't go to their office. They came to my door. That's a blessing in itself. Absolutely. No, that's more than a blessing. That's that's what they call something that's rare and endangered, you know. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, oh dear, yeah. That is awesome, though, because you, we were just having another conversation offline. But you just filled in the blank as to what I'm going to need to record later. Oh well, that's good to know. So thank you for the little mental stimulus there. Hey, I. Do. What are we talking about? What we have a metaphysical kernel thought today on um, the tools that the path uses the most often. And I'm gonna I'm gonna slip something in here, and for the entire eight human beings that hear this, I'm betting out I can hear back from at least three of them. 
Elizabeth and I are coming up to a point now where we're getting near the end of these metaphysical kernels of thought as they stood as paragraphs and sections in the book, The Tradition of the Path. Mm -hmm. So at the end of these metaphysical kernels of thought, we're going to find something new that we start having as a regular recurring segment, just like, um, you know, we change from the witch stones and whatnot. So I would love to hear from that half a dozen people that are out there and, and keep our coffee flowing. I would love to hear what your ideas are as far as what we might do for uh, this particular discussion segment after we're done doing the metaphysical kernels of thought. You know, should we move on to one of the other PAP books? Or, I mean, is there a particular topic out there that anybody's curious about that would like to hear Elizabeth and I give our takes on? Um, and that itself might be an idea where we just have people leave us notes in the Discord during the week, and we might just pick a topic and start doing it on whatever people ask for. That could be a thing. That would be fun. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that sort of warning. We're getting to the end of the series, and we would love to hear what you'd like the next series to hear about. So, Oh, yeah, that would be great. Let us know. Drop us an email at youngcronescafe.com. She's Elizabeth, and uh, I'm Dave. Yeah, you can find us. We're out there. We're not just bots um, or artificially intelligent constructs. Well, and my goal is I'm celebrating my own solstice, which is my new year here in the next couple of weeks. And then when the calendar new year hits in, I'm going to try to start showing some signs of life on the YouTube channel. So for those of us that are out there trying to help us out and looking forward to supporting us, what we're getting there, just thanks for bearing with us. Yeah, it's been a rough few months. You and I, you and I take, I think too, because we practice with the energies of the seasons and where we live, we experience actual seasons, you know, in, in all their interesting glory. I mean, last weekend we had record heat where we had 62 one day and sunny. The next day it rained and the day after that we had snow. So, I mean, <laughs> we got three seasons in three days, but that's the usual. Well, no, it is. We live in Rochester. Right. Where the saying is, if you don't like the weather, wait five yeah. minutes. Yeah, have a sandwich. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I agree that, you know, and, and just because it's been that kind of introspective energy that some projects kind of get pushed to the side sometimes. Sure, absolutely. Um, we have we have great hopes for as soon as at least for me and my own personal current culture, I guess I would have to call it. Um, we have big, exciting energy as the year, the day starts to get longer and we start to move through the lightening part of the year into the light part of the year. Um, we really feel like we're going to be gathering, gathering some energy and doing some pretty exciting stuff in this year ahead. So uh, stay tuned for more. Yes, please stay tuned. We appreciate you. Yep, but, Elizabeth and I are forming a new business partnership in a few days and uh, working to move our way forward into the next era of what we're working on here. I think so. So basically, when you think about it, you don't need tools. I mean, this is a great re like recap almost of the start of our practices. Sure. You know, where we really kind of dove into it. But in a, this is kind of like the nutshell 
what do we do when we do what we do? Yeah. Yeah, very. This is kind of the nutshell version of it. Um, so we have blessing stuff. You know, where we so this is the short list of stuff that I need um, from the perspective of the path. Yeah. The short list of stuff that I need to do a magic or a working or a ritual. Any of the above, or you just want to sit with yourself and enjoy the magic around you, even. Perfect. Or if you want to, you don't have to, though. And I like that we start off with blessing because. For me, that's a moment whether I'm sharing a combined blessing with other people or whether I'm just anointing and doing that for myself, um, like we were talking about earlier. It it gives me that moment and that tactile, muscular experience of saying, I am now going to be in this space for this time. Uh-huh. And kind of getting the blessing from each of the elements and then anointing yourself. For me, it's not just the ritual part of that. It has always been, whenever Sue and I have written the blessing, because it's changed over the years, it has always stayed the same in the beginning, the way is prepared. Yep. That phrase is always that first line. And when I hear that, my brain goes, ding, ding, ding. Oh, ritual's going to start. It's almost like the bell at the horse race that you hear. Or the smell of, uh, or the first smell of lighting charcoal and, you know, incense is about to happen. <laughs> yeah, same idea. You know, and, and like I said, you, we, we will often, because we're big on minimalism, I guess is a good way to describe it. We'll throw some salt in a bowl of water. Yep. We'll have a tea light. Yep. So now we've covered what? Water, earth, and fire. Earth, water, and fire, yep. And we also use sometimes what we call an herbal cleansing or blessing stick. Herbal cleansing or blessing stick. Yeah. Which so is- from that, I am going to extract what some people might use and refer to as smudge. Yeah. But it also kind of calls to me, and it's, it's interesting. I think I'm going to add this to my own um, little blessing table. Um uh, a herbal cleansing stick could be a stick of incense. There you go. You know, anything. Um, the other thing that I tend to use to get a little bit of the air aspect is sometimes in the, the bowl with water and salt, I'll put a handful of drops of essential oil or squirt a couple of spritzes across the top of it. Sure. Because that gives me that olfactory trigger and that, that calls to me the element of air. Um yeah. yeah, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of, you know, I, I guess I come from the, the place where I'm so used to use using the word smudge that I might have actually lost sight of what it was used for for the word. And it actually is. It's a herbal or aromatic cleansing stick or blessing or blessing. I love that. Thank you. And yeah, we, we tried to get away from smudge. Maybe we're erring too much on the side of being too sensitive about cultural appropriation sometimes because we're the white people in the room and I'm not sure my local indigenous people care, you know, that we were using because we're two pagans in the back room using the word smudge stick. But we also want to be respectful and we want to be inclusive. And why should we use somebody else's words when we can use our own? Sure, absolutely. Whatever it's called. And I think, and I think part of that too is there's been the, with the, not only the the push with 
cultural appropriation, but also in the popularity of a lot of new age practice that's come up. Smudge can also be considered a verb for doing a particular cleansing process on a room. And yeah. so here again, the fact that you call out as herbal cleansing or blessing stick to me is much more descriptive of what it actually is. Well, thank you. That so, we have, so we have four elements that we are going to bless with. Mm -hmm. And usually it's some sort of anointing oil. And we've also used the water out of the cleansing oil. Well, if we couldn't find the bottle that we wanted kind of thing. You know, just something as a reminder that, all right, this may seem, it, it harks back to the day of you went to church and you were baptized or you went to church for Ash Wednesday and they, if you were Catholic, yep. they ashes on you, etc. We anoint ourselves before ritual as a reminder that we're in charge of what we're doing. We sure, sure, because I can remember practicing with, with you and Susie in the past, and I've taken a little dot of the oil and put it on my forehead. And sure, for the next hour, you are consciously aware of the sensation of that oil there. And to mention the smell. With focus, yeah, absolutely. Yes, and it's a reminder that I am choosing to practice this way. Yep. I anoint myself kind of thing. And then, of course, there's the traditional SMA, which can be referred to as anything that points. Yeah. And, well, I'm here in my notes, athame, knife, finger, stick, wand, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Something so, to direct energy and symbolize. Yeah, the direction thereof. You know, that you are moving energy more than anything else. Right, right. You know, rather sometimes it's not a matter of directing, it's just a matter of moving through it and around it and with it. However, and then candles and their holders. A, a lot of our rituals seem, seem to take place in the, in your backyard in the dark over the years. So candles are nice because you have a nice focal point because it's right there and candles seem to burn brighter in the dark, let's be honest. And sometimes we'd use them to mark where we were going so we didn't trip. And then so okay. I used to joke, yeah, yeah. yeah, and Sue and I used to joke too that um, part of that in the modern purveyance was the sacred ritual flashlights, which is those little pocket flashlights we used to have in our yep. own pockets all the time so we could see to read the ritual. Well, because not everybody has the eyes of a 26-year-old at dusk when you're trying to focus on... No. Yeah. And you can only make the print so large and still have one word on the page. Yeah, yeah. Nobody likes to stand in a backyard ritual with an eight-page printout. Yeah, try to keep it down to two pages. Yeah, as much as possible. You know... So there you go. And then, as, as like you said, we love incense. We always have that whole smell thing. Yep. Incense and charcoal discs and something fireproof with sand in it to put it in. You don't want to hold that charcoal disc once you light it. Well, not for long, anyway. No, not for long. Let's be honest about it, you know. And if you have some place to put it, then you know where to put the herbs and it's not all over your altar. And something I always used to, to um, caution about in a, in a former life is 
you can use a little metal bowl, like a little brass bowl or a little silver bowl or what have you. But if you're going to be using incense or charcoal or anything like that, make sure you have about a half an inch of sand or salt or something between the hot and the bowl. Or what will happen inevitably is you will lose your fingerprints for a few days because you'll forget how much heat that develops in that brass or that little tin bowl that you're using and you'll go to pick it up. So always make sure you have, I mean, even plain old table salt um, out of your, your baking cupboard or whatever will work. Yeah, and and even as an aside, so when I learned that oh, even if you have that half an inch in the bottom, it still gets really hot. It can, so, yep. So just leave it alone, let it burn out, and come back for it later. Your container is not going to walk away overnight, kind of thing, you know? Let's be honest about that, can we? Sure. And let us let us also say, especially if you're indoors, like like the word I'm trying to think of is like a trivet or like something that is heat proof underneath send bowl. Yep. You know. Potholder. A potholder kind of. Yeah, that'll work too. Well and while we're while we're in the middle of this practical, you know, we, we had our blessing which sort of sets it up. I know you and Susie used to use like a little tray table. Yeah. Sort of sets you up as a, I'm going into this thing. And I know we're going to talk about housel or a way for us to process our way out of yeah. this place. But while we're, while we're talking about athames and candles and incense and the, the stuff yeah. in, inside the working, mm-hmm. why do we need any of it or do we need any no. of it? and the reason the reason that i say that is you know uh, i forget who it was that, that made the famous quote but if you can't do it with empty pockets on a desert island then it's not you or yeah making a bomb shelter in your back garden is another one peter Pan. yep yep yes who 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 did the equivalent of the earliest podcast called The Crooked Path, which I'm sure you could probably find somewhere now that he's passed on. Sure, sure. But so, so, so what is the point or the need for me to have an athame or some symbolic pointer? Will my finger not do the same thing? Yeah, it will, but it's kind of fun. Let's be honest, having that tool in your hand makes, can make you feel more witty, for one of a better word. It, it, when you start, when you first, when we first start out, we're very often imbued with you need this tool and you need that tool and you need the other tool. And as you go along, you kind of recognize, okay, I don't have to have a black-handled double-edged knife. If I don't have one, a paring knife works. Right, right, and that, that was exactly why I why oh, yeah. I brought the question but that way. By the same token, we build up those associations over the years, or we read other people's stuff. And, and well, and I think even intrinsically in ourselves, you know, we're we're wired to be pattern matchers. Yeah. So if I see my own hand holding some, and and. Uh, I hope no one takes offense to this, but the word that I think of is prop. Yeah. Because that's really it is. It's a styrofoam sword. No, Nobody's getting hurt here, but no. my mind seeing my hand raised above my head with that prop in my hand forms an association with that 
coupled with the muscle memory and my mind believes that there is power and there is affect and there is the focusing of energies by having that prop. Yeah. So I don't necessarily need it. No. Um, but it certainly does. Like you say, it's more fun. It it helps feel that what we're doing is what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and it fosters, as, as we have sort of, I used to say, the belief in the magical. At some point, you can say, I believe that magic exists and that it works. But at some point, you got to get it off your ass and cast the spell and see what happens kind of thing. Well, yeah, and the, not for nothing, but I've always believed that the best way to learn how to do magic is to do magic. Okay, exactly. But, but that's, I mean, you could say that universally the best, the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. Oh, and yeah. The best or way to learn how to sing is to sing. And, or yeah. to do ritual. But the idea is you, you try it out and it works, even if it's just a little bit. Something nudges the universe and something happens and you notice it. You start to increase your faith in that belief that magic works. And that's the big piece of it. Well, and you're teaching yourself to look for the results of your own work. Oh, exactly. But you also, you have to have faith in the process. And sometimes having those tools in your hand is a tangible way to work to increase that belief or faith or whatever you want to call it. Sure. You know, and like you said, they're fun. And, um, you can, and, and some people are really crafty or really, you know, amazing metal workers and they make their own blades or they find something cool at the dollar store and they decorate their own wand or whatever. And that's great, too. Well, you and know, I, I, shells are great. When I'm talking about this, I always think about um, you personally a little bit um, simply because you have that condition where you don't visualize in the same way that other people do because yeah. i'll grab that little twig or that stick off the ground and it can be the the ultimate charlie brown christmas tree of a twig yeah. but what i see extending from the end of my hand is you know excalibur or sure, you, know. you know whatever it is that i am treating that object as um i i guess i i, I like to be part of my own role if that makes sense oh it makes perfect sense you know, mentally, I can play that game, as it were. But sometimes, I, me personally, I like, okay, we have the little double-edged blade, not the expensive one, with the brown handle that we've had for years. And whenever I see that in my hand or whoever is leading a ritual in front of me in their hand, I know in my heart of hearts, I believe completely, even if I don't see the energy shifting, because I, I don't feel it. I know they're moving or directing energy with that knife. That, boy, it's neat that you say that because I, I, I look across the room at my Athame sitting on my own altar and I can remember magic that I have done with that very prop. Yeah. And so yes, it does make it a, a stronger sensation for me. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it lets you know that if you pick it up, it's going to do what it did the last time. Yep. Or the time before or the time before that. So it's that whole continuity piece as well. Nice. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. Okay. So as you were saying, you have your blessing stuff that prepares you. We've talked about the stuff that we might have hanging around during a ritual and any other ingredients that we have for a spell or the ritual papers or herbs and crystals and anything else that you add to your own practice. Exactly. Um, they are as important as you feel 
them to be. Yes, or whatever meaning you are working with them as. Then finally, that nice little plain old ordinary cup of plate. Now, th this is interesting, and I have loved watching the the development and the change through years of watching you and Susie. Um, <laughs> but most of my background comes from um, the the silver plate, the silver offering dish, that sort of fancy stuff. The hump. Yes for lack of a better word, and you intentionally and specifically call out an unadorned cup and plate. And you mentioned there in the reading that what we're talking about is what is being shared, not what is being shared on. Yeah. Because I always, you know, like I say, I, I come from the fancy plate sort of background where, God, I've got a dozen little crystal and little silver that a lot of times now what I'll use them for is I'll set up a bunch of crystals for a particular spell or a particular working. So there's still magical trays to me. Right. But specifically calling it out with and what I've started to do since coming across this with you guys uh -huh. is I, I, as I as I go right to my cupboard, I use a cup and a plate that I use. Yeah, exactly. Because when you think about it, you're moving back towards the everyday world. Yep. So you want to refocus on grounding in the mundane. Well, and in my case, what, what happens when I finish with, um, we call it housel here in the path, as far as our cakes and ale or whatever you want to oh, describe sure. it as. Yeah. It's, a, it's a physiological sing signal to our bodies that we are coming back to the mundane. And uh -huh. what I have done out of habit. Um, I have this weird thing. I spent my entire life with, with dogs around me, so I am physically incapable of finishing the last corner of a sandwich. You know, even at a restaurant, I leave that last little bite, and I think about voodoo or whoever. Yeah. But when we finish with our household, I always take the little cup and plate with the little crumb cake or whatever that we had, and I set it out on in back on the yard altar. Uh -huh. and I have the last three batches of them sitting out there when I know it's time to go get them is when I start running low on cups and saucers. Oh, there you go. And I know I need to go out to the yard altar. Oh, I know. But the other side of that is then when I have cleaned those and the next time I use them in the living room or whatever from mundane, I realize that I am eating from sacred, spiritually charged um, cheapware. But but yeah, but that's but that's kind of the idea because the idea is too. I mean, when you leave the stuff out there, you are performing what's what I was called libation, where yep. we get something back to. I want the birds and the the bugs and, and all of the things in the neighborhood to have back at this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they that when you because when I used to practice in the backyard, we would actually most of the time dump it in your compost pile. Because then no. it would become part of the land again in quickly or more quickly than it might otherwise. But it's the same purpose. We are, in essence, thanking the sacred space around us sure. for letting us step out there in the backyard and do ritual and, you know, I get struck by lightning and right, right. You know, all that fun stuff. Not burn down the neighbor's porch or anything, sure. 
Well, we never burned down the neighbor's porch. We've intimidated a couple of your neighbors when there was a small bonfire that suddenly had an eight-foot flare-up, but we won't go there. The neighbors also always knew that I had a hose handy. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you, and, you had your, and you had your sacred fire extinguisher and right. ready there in the background. But you get the point. Sure. You know, the whole point is you need to figure out what tools work for you if you want the fancy stuff and you can afford it, knock yourself out. But well, and I put yourself in the poorhouse trying to get the right affidavit. Right, right, absolutely. And I, I tend to, I, I'm going to call out an old George Carlin bit, and and the the whole idea behind the bit was that he had packed, so he had to take a smaller version of his world. And then he got to where he was traveling to, and they decided they were going to go to someplace else. So he packed a smaller and smaller bag. At a certain point in time, you can realize walking down the street, down the sidewalk, that you don't have any of these things on you. And yet they are there with you. You can always, it's us that's the magic. It's a matter of use a subset or whatever you have there with you in reach. Because when I'm around my fancy stuff and I'm in a fancy mood, yeah, I like to get out my fancy wand. But if I'm not feeling fancy, pointing my finger at the sky carries the same power. And that sounds like a wonderful way to end that. So with that being said, may you find mirth and reverence in all things. Be safe. Be kind and be loved. While we've been having discussions around what we call our metaphysical kernels of thought, which are the whys that form the basics of our beliefs on the path, we recently realized that we could also share about our practices as well. These are the hows and whats that we, as practitioners on the path, actually do in our own lives. So we're calling this new segment Practices of the Path. This segment will be about everything from the various tools that we work with, as well as those we don't and why, to the solar and lunar cycles, herbs we use, crystals and stones that we work with, candles, incenses, oh my, and anything else we come up with that can give an understanding of what we personally do. Today we're going to talk about circle casting. As a practice. Okay. That's kind of where we're going. Do sure. you need one? Do you not need one? There are some groups that insist you have to have one. To well, keep- and that's that's been my experience, uh, at least my own personal experience, is I practiced with groups that didn't need circles, and I practiced with groups that couldn't live without circles. So I kind of do whatever the you know, whatever the Romans are doing, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll let you go. You go ahead. You go ahead with, with what what does it mean to cast a circle? Well, for those of us on the path, I mean, if we're talking about other people, I have heard them say, well, it's to keep all that negative stuff out. And I look, and so what I kind of figured out a long time ago that everything is around us is sacred. So right. we're not really worried about attracting the negative with what we're doing. And when we, quote unquote, cast a circle, 
it is for the purpose of having somewhere to put energy we're raising before we release it to the universe. It's like filling up a jar with water. Well, and that's that's kind of at least early on the the understanding that I had about a circle being cast um, from some of the early um, covens and groups that I uh, learned to practice with was mostly about providing a container or um, another way to look at it from a, from a software point of view is a context. In other words, this is the playing field or the area or the zone where we're going to do a bunch of energy work. And we want to keep it here, not necessarily as an isolationist thing, but while we're growing it, um, you don't you don't mix cookie batter on your counter. You need to put it in a bowl so that you can stir it with the spoon. And have all your ingredients come together the right, right way. Right, right. Yeah. So I had always sort of learned it as being somewhat a reservoir or a container for while you are doing the working, but not necessarily something that needed to... I don't know, some, I guess some folks that I practice with seem to get great satisfaction or great value out of constructing and building up the reservoir and then doing their working and then um, methodically tearing down and dissipating. I can understand that. It just isn't something that resonated with me. Um, For me, it's about I needed a place to do stuff. Yeah, me too. I mean, it always bothered me if, these are these great energies that we're supposed to learn how to work with, you know, physical elements and gods and whatever. People would like demand they show up and participate. And then it was over. It's like, go away now. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you're, you're invoking what? <laughs> yeah. Kind of, you know, and then just to say, shoe, go home. Right. Without even a, you know, thank you kind of thing. And it would be really nice if you went home because we need to clean up after the party kind of statement, but not just get the fuck out. <laughs> well, kind of, and, yeah. and for, me, for me, especially, I don't know, it's interesting that you bring that, that particular uh, context up, but for elemental stuff, I've always seemed after working, if I did a bunch of working that was focusing on, say, for example, you know, fire in the south. Um, if I was working a lot with fire during a working, then even after I had completed my container or whatever, later on during the course of that day and often for several days, I seemed to be more attuned and more aware and notice more things about fire or that particular element or aspect as if I've walked with them and it's sort of fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I don't necessarily want to, at the end of an elemental working, break that connection. I I, kind of want to carry that with me. Carry that awareness, yes. Well, and, you know, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, I've kind of come to a place where, I don't necessarily see a a mundane world and a magical world. I see the two as being the world that I am in. Um, you've heard me say more than once that the entire earth is, as far as I'm concerned, a cathedral, and everywhere is sacred space with mundane people in it. So gathering that energy again isn't about trying to call someone to come to this place 
because no, they're, everyone is already in every one of these places to me. It, it's just sort of tapping into stuff. And maybe asking for a little assistance or extra attention, or I think sometimes it's not that we're necessarily more aware. I think sometimes it goes both ways is in who am I to presume that whatever element or elemental energy I am calling upon pays attention to me. I am a human mundane physical person. But uh, by, the same, by the same token, who are we to assume that they, they don't hear every single word we tell them? You know? Oh yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And and if we have more that, that awareness, it's maybe we just cut their interest for a little bit. Sure. We are attempting to not, how do I explain, not use them, but use a little, little tiny little bit of their energy for something. Or to learn more about if I worked, for example, with fire. Sure. That kind of thing. And it's like we catch their focus, and maybe that's why you feel it more. Well, and yeah, that, that word focus there, because I, I know we're, we're talking about our practices around casting and then deconstructing a, yeah. a magical circle for either ritual or practice or whatever but it's I, I like the way you said the word focus because yeah when i have practiced with groups that have used circles when i'm inside that circle i do tend to be more focused on that working so there's there's definitely some something energetically Oh, sure. And now I have my yard altar in the middle of a meditation spiral. So I have to walk, you know, the seven laps to get in there. So you could easily argue with me that, yeah, I do still use a circle. Mine just has a little different dimensionality to it. Um, because by the time I walk all the way in that spiral, I almost don't hear things that happen outside the spiral when I'm in sitting on the ground in that spot. I almost don't hear the neighbor's lawnmower and those kind of things. So maybe I am gathering a circle, but I do like that we're using the word focus instead. Um, and I've seen that with you and, and Susie working out in the backyard where I've seen an area that just seemed lighter or darker than the areas around it. And that's, that, that's focus. Yep. Yeah, I think so. And I think sometimes, too, circle is kind of a misnomer because I see it more as a sphere, like a bubble. Sure, sure. Yeah, I've always recognized that the bubble went below the ground as well as above or yeah, but, but, in my case, below the water. Yeah, but if we're talking about, you know, people who may not have practiced as much, it's not yeah. a circle. Well, you you might run across the habit of pouring salt in a circle in your yard to do a little ritual, but that is actually a visual, just something to key you into the fact that that's where that sphere crosses the plane, but it is a dome above and a dome below. And we also don't believe that you destroy sacred space if you, I don't know, step across the line. Because you're still carrying sacred space with you, always, because you are part of it. And there are, I have been with groups where everything has to be counterclock, you know, clockwise. Oh, yeah. And God forbid if you go the wrong direction. Yep. And so when I figured out a long time ago, 
that Wittershins or counterclockwise is just as valid a direction to work with, depending <laughs> on what you're doing. Yep. Let's be honest, you know. Well, and you know, I'm I'm looking at my own model or my own example out there in the yard, and you know, there there is only two directions in the spiral, in and out. Yeah. You can't. But it's funny because I don't mind when people here in the yard. I don't mind if someone steps across because they need to go in and get something or what have you. Yeah. But, but I won't. No. I I don't know that I have ever stepped across those rings if yeah. i need to do something in there i'll i'll take the hike that i need to take for for me i guess that's my energy imprint in that earth i think so you know it makes you feel uncomfortable after a while if you yep. do something different and someday you may step across the line and the world will not end sure you know? sure but for now i'm comfortable holding that significance and i guess at that's the root of it that is what what casting a circle is as far as practice is finding a way on your own or of your own to identify that you know this is this is special time it i i use the the parable or the analogy we all grew up believing that our words had special powers when we were in a brick building with colorful windows and fancy music on Sundays. And somehow tacitly we learned that outside of those buildings, our words didn't have the same power. Now as pagans and as Wiccans, and especially on the path, we've learned beyond that. Oh yeah. But at the same time, having respect for how we got to this place is important for us. I think so. You know, if you have nothing else you'd like to share about circle casting at this point. Um, I don't. I think I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I am going to read the path circle cast. Okay. That is part of our rituals when we are actually doing something that requires us to have a spot to work. Sure. Or sure. Do. Yep work with energy or develop awareness of energy or just sit with energy sometimes. Well, and I will enjoy the reading of it because I will enjoy the memory of hearing you and Susie um, speak it out back in the in the backyard for years. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we just stand in the center and one of us will hold an asthma or point a finger and just turn in a circle. And we tend to face north first, even those of us who were like Sue, who were directionally challenged sometimes. <laughs> but she knew where north was when she was in the backyard. Okay. And we said, I cast my witch's circle round upon this blessed and sacred ground. I ride the hedge and mark the line between the realms of space and time. As above, so below. As within, so without. The circle is cast. So mote it be. You know, and 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 hearing that after the discussion that we've had brings home to me at least, it's not so much the place that we draw the circle around, it's the moment. Um, you know, you talk about space and time in that very invocation. And to me, yeah, this is ritual time or this is this is a moment that i am working magic as opposed to something maintained 
So for me, it's more about this moment than it is about this place geographically. Yeah. And Sue always felt that when we were, and I agreed with her, that when we were doing ritual like that, we were kind of like betwixt and between the worlds, as it were. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, and how many of us have said, oh, that ritual took 10 minutes and then discovered we were out to three hours? Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, ladies, I've been out here and refilled your candles three times while you were in there chanting. You just right. didn't see me. <laughs> no, exactly. no clue you were there. You know, and, and that wasn't meant as a slight of you, but you were just. No, not at all. Yeah, I was I was in a way the familiar while yeah. you did, while the two of you were growing through that. Oh, I agree. Well, and proud to be that. Yeah. Well, with that being said, may you find mercy and reverence in all things. Be safe, be kind, and be loved. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is all about thinking about managing those conflicting energies of the holiday season. Tis the season to get caught up in the insanity of shopping, parties, decorating, planning, and of all of the other things that are part of this time of year. Whether you choose to celebrate solstice, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, anything else, or a combination of any of the above, the frenetic energy surrounds us all. Enjoying the twinkling lights and other decorations and being a part of secrets is a lot of fun. But the external energy doesn't match what is happening in the natural world in which we live. This can create all sorts of internal conflicts for anyone who follows our path or is a practicing witch of any kind. Learning to connect with this natural energy and its ebbs and flows is often a big part of a personal practice. And this time of year, it is moving toward the peak of dark energy with the upcoming solstice. The natural energy calls to us to close in, be more introspective, and most of all, to slow down. Not taking this energy into account can lead to exhaustion or even depression at this time of year. So planning ways to manage your own needs is really vital when you think about it. Trying different things at this time of year may include taking some time periodically to do some introspective type of work, such as journaling or thinking about where you are in your practice and where you want to go next. Try saying a firm no to some of the extra parties and events by carefully choosing those you may be required to attend for some sort of work situation or those you honestly want to attend. Getting some extra sleep or taking some time throughout the day to sit quietly for a couple of minutes and just breathe can be something that really might help. Becoming aware of these energy differences that will happen throughout this year where the external of what's going on around you doesn't match what you know to be the natural and or internal. And finding effective ways to manage them will end the feelings of conflict without a known source that we may be experiencing and give us back the true joy of the holiday seasons around us. So with that being said, whatever you choose to celebrate, enjoy it, and may you find immerse and reverence in all things. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. 
But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be. So mote it be.